0: okay so that concludes 20 minutes of meditation i would encourage you to keep your eyes closed we're going to add a little prayer Uh, we'll do the third step prayer together as we usually do and i will guide us through it very slowly very deliberately so again i want to keep my attention focused on my breath going in and out of my body. I want to stay connected and present to this moment right now. And we're going to add the third step prayer, one breath at a time. So the first line of the third step prayer is the word God. So I breathe in the word God silently to myself. And then I take a few breaths and for me that word that god is a calling out trying to contact waking up so i take a few breaths and i try to connect with that thing called god higher power creative intelligence and i take a few breaths and i try to connect with it deep inside of me not as a man as a spirit And I breathe out the next line of the prayer I offer myself to Thee. again I like to check in and see how committed am I to offering myself to my higher power right now and what is it exactly that I'm offering to it breathe in the next line of the prayer, to build with me and to do with me as thou will. And I take a few breaths and I think about what God might want to do with me or build with me today, right now. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths. And I take a look at what is my bondage of self today? What are the stories I'm telling myself? What old ideas are keeping me stuck here? What would it feel like to have no story, no old ideas right now? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer, that I may better do thy will. I take a few breaths and I think about how much easier would it be to do God's will if I didn't have a story if I wasn't bound to my old ideas and my opinions and I breathe out the next line of the prayer Take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths and I think about today. What have been my difficulties today? What's standing in the way of me being present today? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer, that victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I think about the rest of my day today and what it might be like for the people I come in contact with If I had no bondage of self, if all of my difficulties were taken away, how I might carry a message of God's love and God's will and God's way of life, and how that might affect them and how that might affect everyone they come in contact with. And I breathe out the last line of the prayer. May I do thy will always. And I take a few breaths and I just get a sense of the feeling of what it might feel like to do God's will in everything that I'm doing today, right now. And whenever you're ready, gently open your eyes. Allow yourself to begin to see. Allow yourself to become conscious of the seeing that's happening. Try not to get caught up in the story of what I'm seeing, but trying to just be present. Wow. What I do is I tell my higher power what I'm seeing. I see some flowers. I try not to have an opinion about those flowers. I wanted to. I wanted to say they're beautiful, which sounds like a good opinion, but it's still an opinion. They're just flowers. To me, they might be beautiful. To someone else, they might not. They might be hyperallergenic to someone else and be poisonous. I see a cup. God, I see a book. God, I see a meeting. Of people. (laughs) So, I'm Randy, I'm alcoholic, I'm allergic to alcohol, that's what that means, I am alcoholic, I'm allergic to alcohol, I can never ever drink alcohol successfully again, ever, end of story, I can't drink alcohol, that's a problem for me, for some people it's not a problem. They can't drink alcohol because they're allergic to it. They don't drink it. But I became allergic to alcohol because alcohol was the best over-the-counter treatment I could find for my disease, even though I didn't know I was treating a disease at the time. I didn't even know I had a disease until I was about two and a half years sober. I thought I had an alcohol problem because I drank too much alcohol. And then I had a sponsor who pointed out to me what alcoholism was. And what he said alcoholism is, is he said alcoholism is an unsatisfied mind. I'd never heard that before. And he said, don't take my word for it. He said, look at your own life. And so I looked at my life. And he was completely 100% right. Everywhere I looked. I had a job. It was a decent job. It paid my bills. I just didn't like that job. I just was not satisfied there. I thought I should have a better job. And I had a girlfriend at the time and she was very nice. And before she was my girlfriend, I was positive. She was the one that was going to be the one that I was going to be happy forever. But now I was with her and she wasn't quite as good as I thought she was in my mind. And now I was finding fault with her and I was unsatisfied in the relationship I was in. I wasn't leaving it because I was too afraid that I'd never find anybody else but I was unsatisfied in the relationship I was in. And I had a place to live. and was a nice place to live, but it was not satisfied. To me, I deserved a better place. And it was like that in every area of my life. So in order to treat the disease of alcoholism, I have to be able to identify it. And it's not alcohol, not drinking does not make me better. But becoming aware of alcoholism as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry and easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. Being able to identify that as the disease, now I can go into the steps. And I can go into the steps to treat that disease. Not alcohol, because I wasn't drinking And my obsession to drink alcohol was removed at about six months and it was a miracle and it was fantastic the day my mind shut up about alcohol. I remember it was like a light switch went off and I was no longer mercilessly obsessed to drink alcohol and it was fantastic. But it immediately switched to something else from alcohol to a car, to a job, to a relationship, to a place to live. But I didn't know that. What I thought was I was just the most unlucky person and that I just had, I just found the wrong places to live in all the time and I always got into the wrong relationships and I always ended up in the wrong house and I had the wrong parents and I had the wrong siblings and I was just unlucky. And so I drank because my life, because I was so unlucky, I might as well drink. But I can't drink anymore, and I can't not drink, because I have a mind that tells me my life sucks. It tells me I'm a loser all the time. It tells me uh, that I'm unlovable all the time. That's how the disease manifests. And when it talks to me long enough and convincingly enough about something, I get into emotional pain. And when I get in enough emotional pain, I need to treat that disease And some and, and I can't treat it with alcohol anymore, so I treat it with the, the steps. So, by the way, we're, we're reading through literature. We've started reading. We read how it works, and there's so much good stuff in how it works because that's how it works. Uh, we read page 60 to 63. And 60 to 63, reading that every day is an ego-deflating proposition. Every single day, you, I have to get up. And I have to read 60 to 63, no matter what my mind says. Just for the duration of this group, if you're going to be part of this group and you want to have the experience that the group is having, I would encourage you to read page 60 to 63 every single morning and change it from we and they and us to I. So where it says we stand at uh, being convinced we are at step three, we are not at step three, I am. So I need to be convinced that I'm at step three. It doesn't matter where we are because we are not reading this together in the morning. And this is not a story for us. It's a way of life for me. So that's why I read it like that. And that's what was shown to me. I didn't make this up. I didn't make any of this up, by the way. Uh, I don't think I might have, but I don't think I think I've heard everything that I've said. I'm saying to you today. I think I've heard it from someone else. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Uh, So I'm an alcoholic. I have alcoholism. And the precursor to the steps is to get an an awareness of alcoholism, the ego, which is the next paper we're going to read after Surrender versus Compliance, and, and the self. And what that self is and that self-talking mind part of the self part of the disease. When I have an awareness of those three things, then going into the steps is a whole new adventure. So Tebow was a man who studied Alcoholics Anonymous. He got involved with it in 1939. And I didn't I don't study Tebow. I just read the paper that we're supposed to read for today. And it says it in there. So uh, oh, I wanted to say this also. We're going to be reading through the literature. At the pace that I read through it, when I go through this with a group, it usually takes somewhere between three and a half and four years. At the end of three and a half and four years, the goal, the goal at the end of all of this reading and studying and, and practicing is to be present right here, right now. Okay. we're not going anywhere. We're not going to learn anything. We're not going to get better. Alcoholism is not going to get better because I learned some stuff. But it could be treated right here, right now, in this moment, if I will turn my attention to a higher power. So what I would encourage you to do is to start trying to stay connected to your higher power right now the way that I do it when someone else is talking is I ask my higher power to help me hear what's being said if they're reading I ask my higher power to help me hear what they're reading if they're talking I ask my higher power to help me hear what they're saying I have to do that with my wife I have to do it with my daughter I have to do it at work because if I don't I might be ADHD or ADD or whatever, that, uh, I, I'm definitely dyslexic, but I can't stay present. My mind captures my attention when I hear something that's read and starts talking to me about it and I leave the room and it happens everywhere in my life. I am not capable of being present in this moment. I think it's because I have alcoholism. It might be because I'm ADHD or ADD or whatever the hell it is. But but I believe it's the disease of alcoholism that does not want me to be present in this moment. Because the diseases cannot be present in this moment. Only alcoholism can. Uh, uh, only, Only, I'm sorry, only my higher power is present in this moment. Only the spirit is awakened in this moment if the spirits awaken the ego and the alcoholism isn't here so this might sound like contradictory but i can be 100 percent healed of alcoholism in this moment only this moment because this moment is the only moment that i could be in a relationship with my higher power and now it's now and now it's now and now it's now, and it's constantly now, and I could constantly now be present, but only if I'm present now. I can't do this later, and I can't do it forever. I can only do it now. So right now, I ask my higher power, power, could you be with me? Could you help me? Could you guide me? So I'm going to read a little bit, and we're going to talk about what I'm reading. I'm going to read and talk about it, and then we're going to open up the meeting, and you guys can comment on what's being read, or ask a question, or do whatever you want. You can also talk to yourself now while I'm doing this reading and have no experience whatsoever of being at this meeting and not hear a word that I say. And that's perfectly okay with me, by the way. I, and I perfectly, completely understand if you do that because I would probably be doing that if I'm not asking my higher power to help me here. I am going to be doing that myself. So this is from Tebow. I have the book. It's a nice little book, Tebow, the Tebow collection um and on the, in the Tebow collection it the the paper is called surrender versus compliance in therapy with special reference to alcoholism this is written by a psychiatrist who studied alcoholics anonymous and studied alcoholics very early in aa and he was a drug and alcohol doctor back in the day or a drug and alcohol psychiatrist or psychologist something like i don't i'm not a i'm not a scholar i don't know all the details I just know that when I read this, my mind exploded. So, surrender versus compliance in therapy with special reference to alcoholism. Since, the be- since becoming a sideline observer of Alcoholics Anonymous in 1939, my approach to alcoholism has undergone an almost total reorientation. For the first time, I saw what peace of mind means in the achievement of sobriety and I began to consider the emotional factors involved from a very different viewpoint. By the way, this reading is very different than the big book. This is written from psychiatrist to psychiatrist. So some of it's very bland and very blah, blah, blah. But we got to get through it, so we're going to get through it. How many people read it? Have, has anyone read the whole Tibo paper, this whole paper? Okay, good. I recommend that you read it on your own also. Um. In AA meetings, the role of resentment was a reoccurring theme. This seemed significant. Continuing this line of observation, I found that another enemy of sobriety was defiance, which Silman, Dr. Silman had already described as defiant individuality, a major hallmark of the personality of alcoholics. Defiant individuality. So... I am defiantly me, and I am defiant in changing to please you in any way whatsoever. Another significant emphasis in AA was humility and hitting bottom, completely new points of emphasis for me. It was clear that if the individual remained stiff-necked, he would continue to drink, but I could not see why. Finally, the presence of an apparently unconquerable ego became evident. It was this ego, or it is this ego, that has to become humble. Then the role of hitting bottom, which means reaching a feeling of personal helplessness, became, began to be clear. It is this process that produced in the ego an awareness of vulnerability Initiating the positive phase. When I become vulnerable and and able to ask for help, that's the beginning of the positive phase of me actually having recovery. In hitting bottom, the ego becomes tractable and is ready for humility. The conversion experience has started. So the complete psychic change has started. What happens in the unconscious at the time of hitting bottom remained a mystery. The first elucidation came from a patient. Through psychotherapy, she was gradually losing the intractable ego structure, and finally, for reasons rather obscure, she had a minor conversion experience that brought brought her relative peace and quiet. During this phase, she began attending various churches in town. One Monday morning, she entered the office, her eyes shining, and said at once, I know what happened to me. I heard it in a hymn yesterday. I surrendered when I had that experience. Guided by this clue, I realized that hitting bottom is ineffectual, if not followed by a surrender. Hitting bottom must produce a result, and this result is surrender. So I'm going to keep reading. I know this is dry, whatever. Most of my ideas along these lines were incorporated in an article on the the act of surrender in relation to therapeutic process. I now wish to extend these thoughts a step further. The surrender concept has not generally been well-received except by some AAs who recognize its validity in their own experiences. So surrendering to win is not generally... A strategy that most people subscribe to. Surrender, we think, means losing, but actually, surrender, if you, if you, there's a dictionary de- definition of surrender, which means to go in a different direction, to stop fighting and to go in a different direction. Okay. Uh, One or two psychiatrists have told me they are beginning to see the usefulness of the concept, but no one, to my knowledge, has yet come forward with a paper supporting the thesis of surrender out of his own observations. One reason for the lag is the resistance to the idea of surrender. It seems too completely defeatist. Were I writing that article now, I would change it in this respect so as to discuss the term surrender in linkage with other less to be shunned concepts but those links were discovered only later in an article on surrender i said this is one fact must one fact must be kept in mind namely the need to distinguish between submission and surrender in submission an individual accepts reality consciously but not unconsciously. I accept as a practical fact that I cannot at this moment conquer reality, but lurking in my unconscious is the feeling there will come a day, which implies no real acceptance and demonstrates conclusively that the struggle is still going on. With submission, which at best is a superficial yielding, tension continues. When, on the, other, on the other hand, the ability to accept reality functions on the unconscious level, there is no residual of battle, and relaxation ensues with freedom from strain and conflict. In fact, it is perfectly possible to, extent, to ascertain to what extent the acceptance of reality is On the unconscious level, by the degree of relaxation which develops. The greater the relaxation, the greater the inner acceptance of reality. So people always ask how do I know if it's my will or God's will? The greater the acceptance, the greater the inner acceptance of reality, the greater the relaxation. In the idea of doing what I think God would have me do in this moment, the greater the acceptance. If I know, there's a knowing that happens when I'm doing something that I know I shouldn't do this, but I can't not do it. That is an unmanageable life. That is what it means to be powerless. When I know I shouldn't say what I'm going to say, but I can't stop from saying it. And when I get real and when I get quiet and when I use prayer and meditation as a way of life. It's very, very apparent when I'm doing what I feel intuitively guided to do or when I'm doing what I want no matter what. So it's 1202. I want you all to have a chance to share. And I, I, I mean, uh, <clears throat> we're going to be in the disease for a while. Uh, this paper, Surrender Versus Compliance and the Ego Factors in Surrender, it's all about the disease and how the disease operates in my life. But if I don't know what compliance is, if I don't know that I have unconscious tendencies to be in compliance, to be... To be in submission rather than surrender, then I can't treat that because I don't, I'm not aware of it. So I had to be shown this information. I had to be shown this. And once I was shown what compliance was and how compliance makes it impossible for me to surrender because it's only a temporary, it's just me holding down the spring and i think he actually talks about that in here if he doesn't bob anderson talked about it so much but i can only hold down the spring for so long eventually that spring's going to explode and there's going to be such a overreaction to a simple problem that people all the people around me are going to scratch their heads and go what is wrong with that guy there is something very wrong with him. So I hope that this was somehow useful a little bit. It's a it's a you know it's a quite a few pages of reading and we're gonna read through it. Um and it's just gonna take a couple weeks of Saturdays. Read it on your own, it'll go faster and you might have better questions or have a better experience of it if you read it along on your own but i'm happy to spoon feed it to you if that's the way you can get it that's the way it had to be done for me my i couldn't read it my sponsor had to read it to me and for me and through me and and so we're going to do that too so i'm going to stop talking now we're going to open the meeting up for sharing you're free to share on whatever you want you're free to ask a question if you share we are recording this so people could play it back and listen to it again if you share, you will be recorded, and it will be available for people to listen to. It's available on a Spotify uh, podcast and other places as well. Uh, so, you have uh, you've heard the disclaimer. If you don't want to be recorded, don't share. And uh, some people have their hands up, so we'll start with Scott. I think I just... I think I just remuted. You Scott, where'd you go? Here. Where'd you go? Mute. Okay.
1: okay. Um some days I just feel impossibly I'm not
2: capable of being disciplined and I struggle fighting against myself
1: trying to be the good alcoholic. I would love to know do other people have that issue? And how do you f-
0: how do you combat being a better alcoholic when
2: you feel like your feet are stuck in the mud? Thank you.
0: Thanks. That's a great question and the the way that I answer that is <clears throat> The only way to get out of self is to rightly relate myself to, uh, to my higher power. The only way out. So if I feel like I'm stuck in the mud, I tell God, God, I feel like I'm stuck in the mud. I feel like I'm a terrible alcoholic today. I do not try to get myself out of anything anymore because all it, it's quicksand. Alcoholism is quicksand. The more I try to get out of alcoholism, the deeper I get because that's the nature of the disease. It wants me to fight. It wants me to argue. The minute I stop arguing, I begin to see and feel. So there is no tricks. There are no tricks to get out. The trick is, the trick is the trick. There's only one trick and that is turning. So I have to start rightly relating. God, here I am again. I'm full of self. I'm hurting my family. I don't want to hurt my family. Could you help me to be a nice guy? Not a nice guy. Could you help me to do what you would have me do? It's not always nice, but it's usually useful and it's usually quiets my mind. And then I am much nicer. So that's a great question. Georgie?
3: Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, my name's Georgie, and I'm an alcoholic.
0: Hi,
3: um, Thank you, Randy, as usual. You just, oh, when I hear you, I just relax. Um, but, yeah, surrender versus compliance. So I didn't really understand what that meant until um, I had to have several relapses, and uh, I realized that, you know, there will come a day. That's, I, I really believed. I believed that I'd let that go, but I hadn't and um, yeah it you know sometimes it needs to get worse before it gets better and luckily I have surrendered to the fact that my body is allergic to alcohol and
4: I can never ever drink alcohol successfully again and you know all the
3: usual stuff and um, yeah but, but now it's like sometimes in my thoughts and in the way I interact with people I'm in compliance so I haven't surrendered to you know the outcome of the situation, so it's out of my hands and um, like being a massive control freak it's uh, it's really really difficult because self wants to control everything and everybody and um, so I don't uh, I don't know if it's a question really, but yeah I, this morning I read 60 to 63 because I dropped it out because um, I thought I didn't need to. Because I know it already, and I could uh, say it to you now from the top of my head. But um, I've started reading it again, and oh my God, I'm so much calmer and happier. It's really that simple. It's amazing. Um, So yeah, thank you so much, Randy, as
0: always. Thank you. Uh, I didn't really hear a question in there, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But I'm glad that you had that experience with 60 to 63, because that is a real thing. Uh, Roy.
1: Uh, hey, everyone. Roy
4: Alcoholic. Hi, Roy. Uh, man, I... I,
1: The first time I read Tebow, I hated it. And because I got to really see who I was. And the second time I read it, I really hated it. Because <laughs> I had that experience of reading it the first time, but... But then I started to love it, you know, and I've done it a few times with you, as you know, and and um, because I really get to see who I am. And what I've come to learn in this program is that if I don't know who I am, I can't do any of these steps. And that's what really points out Tiba for me is and it hurts and, and it's hard to read. It's very hard to read because it's all problem and no solution. And but it's. It's what I really, really, really need to do because, um, I have to really understand all these things. And, um, if, you know, I, and I realized a lot of things about myself doing this process. I also realized, um, you know, that I didn't really know what surrender was until I knew what compliance was because, um, compliance was for me I thought I was surrendered but I was just doing it reluctantly whatever I was doing it was just I did it you know it wasn't wholehearted and um, you know I know now that when I have a true surrender my mind is quiet and there's no argument I'm not taking the argument of any other side and that's really important to me because sometimes I think I'm surrendered but I'm really not and it's really hard for me to see when I'm surrendered um and you know and and you know this is just
4: my opinion and you know i also learned a lot of a lot
1: of times uh i've heard and i i've done this you know people take contrary action and what i really came to see that contrary action is compliance because I mean, there's a time in my sobriety in the very beginning where contrary action had its place because I didn't know what to do whatsoever and I needed to hear from other people. But as my sobriety went on, um, you know, contrary action is, is, is me just doing something in compliance. There's no surrender whatsoever. So I have to really have that experience. I have to, um, and it's wholehearted and, and usually I get to surrender through pain unfortunately Um, and but once I get there you know I know I'm there because I have this deep breath Ah, it's a relief I know it when I'm there Um, and and so the the Tebow papers is is a beautiful beautiful experience for me and there's so many things that i learned in Tebow papers and I just feel like if you, if you hadn't done it before, you know, hang in there. It's tedious. It's hard. It's a lot of problem, but there's a huge reward to it. And, um, and he uses words that you've used in, 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 in your talks, you know, and, and so many of them are found in this reading, and you get to see the origins of so much in the TiVo paper. So, anyways, that's all I
0: got. Thanks. Thanks, Roy. Carol?
4: Hi, thank you. I'm Carol Alcoholic. Hi, Carol. Uh, Hi, thanks, Randy. I guess I must have needed to hear this because yesterday I was listening to your podcast and I listened to your podcast on um, surrender versus compliance. So apparently it's a message I need drilled into my brain (laughs) the last few days. And um, one thing that was kind of startling to me was realizing that a lot of the way I behaved was being in compliance and it wasn't surrender I thought I was surrendering but I absolutely wasn't and and this is a question observation and maybe you can verify this for me but when I'm compliant I'm usually irritated Mm -hmm. it's something I'm I'm agreeing to that I don't really want to do but I'm I'm going with the flow and I'm trying to be the bigger person I mean this morning has been a calamity of just everything nothing major but just small irritation since i opened my eyeballs i mean i went into meditation i've been breathing connecting to my higher power but as i'm meditating the jaw the dogs chewing on like the cords under the computer <laughs> i'm trying to like get myself refocused and maybe it's just what today is but um it's an interesting topic as i said i think i needed to hear it um but would you shed i have i've touched a little bit on the tebow papers we're going to get a little deeper into them my sponsor and i but is that sort of the correct interpretation? When I'm compliant, I'm a little agitated, irritated, yeah. generally ticked off? Okay.
0: Uh, it's also, keeping score. Oh, when wow, I'm I don't in, do that. Com, in. A major component of compliance is scorekeeping. I'll okay. do this, but you owe me for that. And, uh yeah, and it's, yeah, I'm I'm going along, but I'm never going along in peace. I'm going along just a little bit like, all right, but you owe me. That's compliance. Okay. And Thank we'll, you. We'll get into it more as we read this paper. David? David,
1: I'll call it. Hi, David. Hey, um, I love the quicksand metaphor, by the way. That was uh, really interesting. The what? That's really true. The quicksand metaphor? Yes. I just love that. Thank you for that. Um, I've been reading sixty three, sixty three also, and it's it's really it's really life changing when you do this every day. Um, you really start to see who you are, and it's the things in the recovery that I've found to be the most um, vital thing: are awareness and acceptance. I think um, I have to be aware of what I have, and I have to accept what I have to go any farther. And um, you said relaxation of the moment. Um, and that was in the papers and I found that really interesting because it's also being you know, being accepting of what you the relaxation is the acceptance in my opinion it's kind of the same thing and it's really um I love that the relaxation of the moment it's just it really hit me hard that one and for source surrender because I know for me a lot of people say surrender they just surrender and surrender but for me it's like such a subconscious thing where I think it's um it happens when like my uh, higher power uh, giving me grace to, to go on or continue. I think it's grace pretty much is what my surrender is. When I'm really connected and I feel that acceptance, that um, awareness, I think that's the grace of God to go further and that's the surrender in my opinion. And I've been experiencing that a lot a lot um, recently with these pages. It just opened up a whole new chapter for me, these pages. Literally, it opened up a whole new
0: chapter for me. And it's just been um, a an adventure. You mentioned adventure, I like that too, it's been Quite an adventure. But quite a journey, and just thank you for everything. It's just, I heard a lot today, and that's what I want to share, so thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you. Karen.
5: Hi, everybody. I'm Karen. I'm an alcoholic.
2: Hi, Karen.
5: I'm crazy mad for the Thibault papers. It's just helping me understand my behavior, past and very recently present. So quick past, I had the best have, the best um, sponsor in the world, and I was incredibly compliant for three months. She said, do this, I did it, and I was compliant. Then I went out, and everybody said, oh, you had a relapse. And then somebody said, no, you had a convincing. And it was that moment where everything came together, and I just surrendered. Karen, you're an alcoholic. Bye-bye, booze. Fine. Fast forward to most recently, there's a member in my family that has always been difficult to get along with, and I tried very hard. And so I kept stuffing it, you know, I won't do this so she doesn't get irritated. I will behave this way. I will, you know, accept, accept how she's behaving. And then what do you think happened? Boom. I got an email. I exploded in the in no pause button, And I went, oh, my God, I didn't hit a pause button. But really, what I hadn't done the entire time was truly accept the situation in the relationship was not the way Karen wanted it to be, but the way it is in the world today in my family. And it gave me such a sense of relaxation. There's nothing to be done here it's okay and you gave me the language to understand just like when i was drinking and i relapsed the surrender piece to so the drinking matches the surrendered drinking to my thinking you know just completely letting go and just being as you say all the time ready in my here and now and for that i'm grateful because just like the question was karen why did you drink you know i don't know why i drank I didn't understand it after three months. It just happened because I was in compliance, I didn't surrender, and the same thing with this relationship. I just really didn't fully accept the situation as it is. Thank you, fantastic.
0: Thanks, Karen. Awesome. Dee Dee.
6: Uh, uh, sorry. Trying to put my video back on. Hi, I'm Dee I'm an alcoholic and drug addict, and uh, hi, uh, so you know at the end of your talk i was thinking i still don't understand compliance versus surrender and and this thought came to me and i shared this at this meeting before of something i did when i was 10 years sober i I have a god box right i was obsessed about this guy and he kept saying he wanted to date other people but i would hear but i'm gonna pick you so stay along for the ride you know like i couldn't hear the truth and i have a god box and i Thought I did this ritual that God was going to give me the answer. So I took took two little pieces of paper and wrote, call, don't call. And I folded it up. I put it in the dot box. I said the serenity prayer because God was going to tell me the answer. So the first piece of paper that I took out after I said the prayer was don't call. And I took the piece of paper. I put it back in the dot box. I shook it again. And I was saying the prayer. I was saying the serenity prayer, shaking the dot box. And the second time it was don't call, and I did it three times. I swear I did it three times, and it was still don't call. And I went to a meeting and I share about it because after all I was surrendering, right? I was surrendering. And that night I came home and I called him, and <laughs> you know, like nothing, like none of the work. But I surrender when I surrender was. It was in the late 80s and everybody was getting AIDS and I was afraid and I was having unprotected sex with him. And I was in the doctor's office thinking, I am going to die sober if I continue to this behavior of not listening to people, you know. And anyway, and I remember that day that I surrendered. But, um, you know, it made me think of that story because sometimes I think, what are you talking like? you know, when I make bargains with God, God, I'm surrendering, but I'm surrendering only because you're going to give me the answer that I want to hear. Yeah. You know, anyway, it's great to hear you. It's great to be here. It's great to even if I don't understand and think this is all bullshit. Sometimes my mind says, Oh, come on. Like, you know, I've been reading the pages. Oh, this is my homework. And it's just been great. You know, I mean, it's great to do it in spite of what my mind tells me not to. So thank you.
0: Thanks, Dee, And yes, this is all bullshit. All of this talking <laughs> and all of this reading and all of this is bullshit if I don't practice it. If I don't practice it, it's all bullshit. But I have the best life I've ever known based on practicing this bullshit in my life on a daily basis. Shakith... <laughs> <So. laughs>
7: Um, uh, it was a good read. Uh, always good to be reminded of what Tebow has to say about us. And, um, you know, it just, it just really reminds me that, you know, again, it, it just I'm willing to turn myself a drunk. But I want to tell you I have a mental illness. I have a mental illness that I think I can intellectually solve all my problems. I think I'm going to be able to solve all my emotional problems with my mind. And that's the problem I have. And, uh, you know, to be able to, to see that, that you know, in compliance, I, uh, I, I play God. I am God. And um, how that uh, is kind of, and, and it's also followed up with like a selective surrender. I want it here. I want it there. I just want it my way. And uh, to, to truly be, you know, and to see that it, it happens on a subconscious level, not on a, con- I can't consciously produce it. It, uh, it, it, it when, 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 it happens though, in the unconditional love that I'm that in this position of neutrality that I can't create on my own, uh, there's something about it, you know, that like, like, again, there was noise at the neighbors, but this time, you know, I was really present, and I I actually recorded how loud it was in my house. And I talked to the landlord, and I showed him the video of how loud it was. And he said, I had no idea that it was like this. He was like, wow, really? And I was like, yeah, man, with the windows closed. And, uh, you know, and we had a nice talk. And I said, look, I'm not angry at you, man. I'm just talking about this disturbance. We had a very good talk. And he said, hey, man, next time something like that happens, just call me was a lot different, you know, when I when I first got here. I, the same house, you know, there was a different tenant, but it, I, I jumped the fence and I slapped him, and we ended up in the, and I almost went to jail sober. Um, so there is a, there is a whole different world that's that's shown to me, you know, and I can I can choose to live in in the world where I play God, or there's a power greater than myself that shows me something else that I couldn't even imagine would happen. And that's what this, uh, you know, it has to do with a lot of this unconditional love that I don't get to pick, you know, how I want it. And this is not Burger King. I, I don't get to have it my way. Anyway, thank you for listening.
0: Thanks Shiki. Chris.
2: Hi, my name's Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Hi Chris. Uh, I'm very grateful to um, have been introduced to this meeting, I don't know what the TBO papers are. Yeah, but um, it sounds very interesting. And the the reason I I wanted to share is the 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 kind of the example of uh, surrender versus compliance just was really interesting to me because I. Have been, or the first time I got clean and sober was 2012. And I managed, or yeah, I managed would be the right way of saying it, about three years. Um, And then I realized, and one of the difficult things I found about coming back to the rooms was the relapse that I'd had, I had been quite an active member of the fellowship that I was in. And I was attending meetings and I was sponsored and I was working the steps for, for a given value of working the steps. And, you know, it, it's I couldn't claim to have a perfect program, had a perfect program, whatever that may be. But um, I certainly was... You know, doing as, as much as, uh, as 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 many people and i realized and then there was this um, temptation i guess to kind of scrap. Uh, you know to say well this doesn't work the 12 steps doesn't work you know that it, mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and since coming back and i I've, I've been back uh about thirty months, and my relapse lasted years, and and you know got to very painful places, as I'm sure people's relapses do. But I, I mean, real, like a real serious suicide attempt, and and just not wanting to live. So really being at the, you know, the the rock bottom, that or maybe not the rock bottom that was described. I, I don't know, but being in it, being desperate. And still not coming back to the rooms because thinking that this doesn't work. Having then now come back, you know, I I see that the way that I'm engaging with the steps and, and with God mm-hmm. ultimately, or with my heart power, is very different from the way it was. And I've struggled to be able to, to vocalize or explain when I've been sharing in meetings or just speaking to people in the fellowship, what's different about it and, and how I see it, you know, how, I guess, maybe to give an explanation for my relapse yeah. previously. And it, it really, that example of compliance versus surrender is, it, is, is the best explanation for that I've ever heard. Because when I was clean previously and very involved in the fellowship and doing service and having sponsor and sponsoring people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I was doing all of that through a desire to be, I guess, part of
0: mm-hmm.
2: the the group of people who were in the fellowship that I was in and, and this is what's expected of us and this mm-hmm. is you know and I want to be seen as a good member of the fellowship and somebody who has a good recovery and, and is a, you know, and what getting to such a dark place and coming back in, in has done for me is made me very much more focused on walking the walk nice. than talking the talk. And I see that as the, you know, my attitude towards, the steps and the program, God's, and, and has been this time just much more. You know, this has to be real. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what you know. Uh, it, you know, am I really having a conscious experience of a higher power? And if if I am, then I'm on the right track. And it doesn't matter what you know, what I'm doing, it's different from other people or, or or anything, the most important thing is to be focused on that. And
0: that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. All right. So I'm very sorry. There are, uh, I'm going to give Rox a minute, Minutes, Rox, if you're new to this meeting and I think you wanted to share. So I'll give you a minute and then we'll close out the meeting. Did you want to share
8: alcoholic um first time at this meeting thank you so much randy for being such a great host and um and also rebecca she's my sponsor she invited me um to this meeting and i'm really glad i joined and meditation has been really (laughs) well i want to say it hasn't been difficult i just haven't been really tuning in um and doing it but i do love group meditations because i think through the collective consciousness you somehow achieve the state of bliss in the moment you know Uh, I don't know the table papers either, so I will read them once I get them. Um, But I guess from what I understood from compliance versus acceptance is that sometimes, you know, compliance really sounds like it's mandatory. It's almost like institutionalized. You have to comply to this or that for your benefit or somebody else's benefit or for the collective benefit. Whereas acceptance is really a spiritual happening, you know, spiritual awakening that happens where you have that connection with your heart, how it guides you through the, uh, these intuitive steps in achieving this state of calmness and presence, you know? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen overnight. I know any relationship is a lot of work. It doesn't have to be hard work. It could be fun work, like a relationship with my higher power. It takes time. It takes work. It takes my effort, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm sure that power is a lot all around me, always, and it's always present, but I'm not always there present with it. So that is the challenge. And, um, you know, listening to you guys share uh, about your experiences and your strengths and your hopes and your, you know, difficulties, um, it makes it so much more enlightening and I, and I do appreciate everybody sharing. And I think it's just human experience. And like friends were saying, um, you're always unsatisfied. The mind is always unsatisfied and so true. It doesn't matter what I have. Everything could be great, and there's really nothing that I lack, but I still think that I could do better somehow, you know, or I'm not doing enough or, you know, whatever. I'm just not happy with myself, you know. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with anybody else, really. Uh, But that's what meditation and prayer and, and, you know, work in a program does. It makes you humble. It makes you aware of your faults and your defects of character, which... Are never ending really. We could always like control our reactions to things, you know. We can't really control anything else. So, and I think life is really reactionary in a lot of ways, you know, and this is where that struggle or that work comes in when you need to kind of know how to react and when to react and why. So, anyway, uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys, and I will be back. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And you're welcome to be here, everybody. I appreciate you all allowing me. I am am going through the Tebow Papers again for my life. I'm sharing it with you, but I am not here to teach you anything. I am not here to read this book to you. I'm reading the book to myself out loud with you present. And I'm studying this book for my life because every time I read it, I go deeper into my awareness of my compliance and my surrender. So I hope that you know that. I am not here for you. I am 100% here for you if you want to talk to me anytime. But I did not come here today for you. I came here because I need to treat my disease of alcoholism, 100%. And your questions remind me of what I have to do. And it's just amazing that I, you, you don't know this, but my higher power put you in my life to help me stay sober. I know that. And I appreciate you all more than you'll ever know. So with that, we will end the meeting with a moment of silence. And then we'll do the serenity prayer together. And uh, you can all unmute yourselves after the moment of silence. God. God. Grant me the serenity serenity. to accept the things I
6: cannot change, the courage courage to change, the the things things I can, and And the wisdom from the the difference. I will not
5: be done.
0: Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, Randy.
5: Thank you, you. Randy. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. everybody. you.